This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Chokum, and I have plenty of Formula One to get through. Pretty decent race, and, and obviously Silly Season has exploded over the last couple of days here. So, Matt, do you want to do Silly Season first, or should we do the race first tonight? Let's do the race first. Okay. So, quick recap. We'll do the top five, and then get your thoughts on, on the track as a whole before we kind of talk about the race. Max Verstappen won, now has a three-point championship lead. Lewis Hamilton finished second. Valtteri Bottas finished third. Gasly fourth and Leclerc fifth. So before we write down you know, anything that you want to talk about race-wise, what did you think of the track itself? Track looked epic. And I think having the game or having the race on the game last year really helped. Uh, even though they didn't race at this track last year, but it was announced to be last year, just experiencing it in the Formula One game, it was you could just tell on my first couple laps like this is an epic track. It punishes mistakes. The banking is super cool and has an IndyCar feel to it. The uh, the quick nature of the turns. It's not the easiest place to pass somebody, but it's not impossible. And I knew we were gonna get an intriguing race. It's not necessarily shot for shot the most entertaining race i will say the dutch crowd definitely enhanced the experience it made it really fun to listen to the roars when max did anything special so that was also really cool so props to the dutch fans for for making it uh, a memorable weekend because that was a lot of fun yeah the i think one of the funnier things was after max won and alonzo on the radio said i guess max won because there's a lot of orange smoke everywhere and and it made the pictures look pretty cool which which i didn't see until afterwards but yeah it was pretty cool so let me get your take on on one thing here we didn't see a ton of passing and i forget who it was today said that it could have been because Really, they didn't get a ton of practice time. Practice one had Vettel's engine issue, which took an obscene amount of time to get rid of the car. Practice two had Hamilton, you know, short red flag and a couple spins. And really, so they didn't get much of a, a consistent practice until practice three Saturday morning. Did that hurt guys being a little unsure of, of how, you know, tire wear and the, and the car would be over a long stint or is whoever I read that from. It was a driver. It might have been actually Alonzo, but I don't 100% remember who it was. Yeah, it can make things tricky. I kind of like it, though, just because when we go to Spain every year, you know exactly what's going to happen. When you go to Bahrain every year, you know exactly what's going to happen. You know, the tracks, that get so much running time at them. Pretty boring. So last year we were kind of blessed with the crazy schedule 
Um, obviously, the circumstances sucked, but to get new venues last year were pretty awesome. And kind of more with that, you know, obviously the first time at Zanvoort in forever. Didn't know really what to expect. I mean, obviously you have a kind of a sense of what the tire wear is like, but to get, you know, different strategies and not a, a concrete plan before the race like we would at 90% of the venues on the schedule, I think that makes for a lot of fun. Yeah, I I, I agree. I wish they had maybe recovered Vettel's car a little quicker than they did on, on Friday morning. I don't know why it took like 30 minutes of practice time, but... Nonetheless, we'll move on. Do we have anything qualifying to discuss? Oh, the Mick Schumacher, Mazepin, Vettel, kerfuffle. I honestly missed that. I'm on. A, I'm looking at a Mazepin article right now as you're talking, and yeah, my it's the first time I've seen this. So no, I didn't really get qualifying. Uh, get a chance to watch. Okay, so long story short. I think Mazepin and or Schumacher was in line for a penalty. And then Sebastian Vettel had to be like Mr. Nice Guy and say like, oh, there was a bunch of cars like it happens. And I think that's pretty much why he didn't get out of Q1 and in, in qualifying. But I guess we'll 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 dive right into that first. And, and then anything you want to talk about in the race, Mazepin retired after a couple laps and then pretty much slammed his teammate all weekend is this a problem that Gunther Steiner needs to nip in the bud? Because if I am reading, if I believe what I read, Gunther Steiner is backing Mazepin in, in public comments in the last 24 hours. I guess that doesn't surprise me. No, um, no. Checks money, clearing. Money talks. Then, yeah, if the checks are clearing, then you got to stick with, with the money. It kind of, well, I don't want to segue too much, but I was kind of surprised that Big Frank came out this week and said that Ferrari does not control any of the decisions with Alpha's yeah. seats. Yeah. I don't know if we that might be uh, something we discuss later on, but I thought that was weird because I had suggested that Mick go to Alpha or yeah go to Alpha next year, but that doesn't sound like it's an option. And then with those comments, I mean, I. Th- I got to imagine Ferrari contributing some sort of funding for Mick to be there. And then there's the one and one that's probably backing him a little bit from yeah. the German side of it. But yeah, I, uh, I'm not surprised in the least to see him backing Mazepin. Um, Mazepin is one second slower consistently at every track. Can't stop spinning and is consistently outshone by Mick, but let's back Mazepin in the situation because money talks. I mean, in all seriousness, do you know why Mazepin actually retired on Sunday? Because I did not. I think at that point I was headed to the NHRA race. So I I watched the second half of the race on my phone. So I don't know if I heard what happened. Well, let's see what the Bible says here. It says. Because on motorsport.com it just says DNF. It says hydraulics on the Bible. Okay. So he probably Which is racing, just ran. racing reference if nobody <laughs> understood that. Yes, yes. Which is probably code for like the, the car sucks and he was whiny and they were just like, oh, well, just come in. Your dad you just sent know. us another couple hundred being, grand. You're just deliberately being obtuse. Yes, yes. I think that's fair. I think that's totally fair. Hang on. Let me, let me Google it. So I found an article on NASDAQ, of all things. Oh. Schumacher says Mazepin wants to beat him at any cost. Okay. Isn't and that the point of racing? If you have a problem with that, Nikita, I think you should try uh, Formula E. Yeah. 
Oh, that's mean. Formula E is actually pretty was actually pretty competitive this year. So let's let's take a step. Whatever's below that, maybe like Australian extreme e. or yeah, extreme E, because there's zero competition in that. Is it is it just Andretti's team beating the shit out of everybody? I couldn't really tell you, but Frenchie I know they and I, won the first race, but Frenchie and I tuned into the first race because we were like, "Oh, this looks cool!" Like you know, it's 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 cool in theory, like you know, the Baja One Thousand, but around the world. But it's just like cars racing to cones in the desert, and it's it's so boring. It's re- like I, from an environmental standpoint, it's, I get it. I have the utmost respect for it. But from an entertainment standpoint, I don't know why anybody would watch it. Who knows? But yeah, I got the uh, I got the Mazepin quote here, who says that. Unfortunately, the hydraulics issue meant that we needed to manage and turn down the engine power, which ultimately led to Kubica leaving us in the dust and blah, blah, blah. So basically, it doesn't sound like it was actually his fault. So that uh, I will say that does seem like a legitimate retirement. But if yeah. you want to keep your naysaying ways, that's fine. I I am going to keep my naysaying ways because I'm, I'm choosing violence for this episode right now. And I don't know where else to go with that one. So... I don't. I don't really know if there's too much else race wise. There wasn't a ton of passing. Giga Kubica was in the race. Yeah. Ku- oh, it's, I hope. I hope Kimmy gets better soon. And Kubica. Why? Why is it Giga Kubica? What? What did I? I don't understand that. It has to do with some sort of. And forgive me if I'm wrong. I. Th- I just know it's a hilarious joke because Brad James. Yes. Says it. I saw Brad. Our, Brad post it. He, he. It's. It's something to do with. Um, I thought it had something to do with him blocking the track, but I think it is actually due to like a <laughs> like a video of him where he was like enlarged on the screen for some reason. Okay. And then like they just like <laughs> decided like you know those uh, M3 memes with the BMW yeah, yeah, yeah. where they it's kind of like the same thing like his car was giant in the back and things like that. Um they enlarged his car to match a Boeing 747. Yeah, digitally altered Formula One racer made to look extra large. <laughs> okay, all right. But yeah, when Cody Ware tweeted that to us, we're like, yes, Cody Ware is... We've decided that Cody Ware is a PLPGP honorary member. Yes. Because he yes. like, acts the same as all of us. I agree. I I think Cody is like one of the most down-to-earth dudes, and, and hopefully we can get him a, an Xbox... One of these days, if he doesn't have one, we'll have to t- we'll have to talk to him. And if if not, then we'll have to find him one, just like we have to find a couple a couple of people some Xboxes. Hint, hint, Mister Lighting. I think I think he still needs an Xbox. Have you bugged him lately on that, Matt? Do you want me to? Yes, I do. All right, I can do that. Do okay. we want to do predictions and then drivers of the day and stuff? Yeah, yeah, I'll let you lead that. All right. Uh, I had Sebastian Vettel doing good. That did Whoops. not do good. Uh, P13, that's not good. Uh, you had Ricardo, P11, behind his teammate, so no. Nope. And then Frenchie picks Max, like a lame ass. So yeah, that doesn't count. Frenchie doesn't is count. disqualified. Frenchie, let's make it to turn one in the race next time, <laughs> eh? Uh, well, that wasn't, that wasn't his fault. That wasn't his fault. Who'd you hear that from? I think uh, somebody else m- posted in the group last night that uh, that they made contact with him, and because all this, you can see in somebody's footage, he makes like a severe 
turn, sharp turn left. Like somebody hit his wheel or something like that. So I'll give Frenchie the benefit of the doubt on this one. You weren't even there. I know, but I saw the footage. That's all. Whatever. That's all. I mean. Yeah. All right. Bad. I had Russell seventeen. Yep. Okay. That. That's fair. Yep. I told you as soon as the ink was dry, it would be bad. <laughs> you had Sonoda nineteen engine failure. It's pretty uh, bad. Frenchie had Stroll P twelve. Not great, but beat his teammate. Uh, top ten. I had Sonoda. Nope. You had nope. Stroll. Nope. nope. Frenchie had Latifi. Nope. So we all failed there. These predictions are all god awful. Yeah, except for picking Max, which is a cop yeah, out. Yeah, that doesn't I count. I guess you and I did pretty well. We all we did good with the bad predictions. Yeah. All right, who was your driver of the day? Driver of the day. It's really hard to pick because there wasn't a ton really going on. So I'm going to give it to Pierre Gasly for being kind of like the best of the rest pretty much all weekend. Qualified P4, finished P4, had to fight off a charging Ferrari duo for a little while in the pit stop sequence and, and did a good job to keep it clean. Yes, technically he finished a lap down in fourth place, but really had a standout weekend that he needed to have in the Alpha Towery. Yeah, he was going to be my selection, so I will say Fred finishing sixth is a very good result yeah. for him and the team, and clearly they're on that upward trajectory to success because right now they're they're hanging with the likes of McLaren and Ferrari, which is where they should be. Who's your disappointment of the day? I, so I'm going to go with Antonio Giovinazzi, and only oh because— God. He did I steal yours again? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, he qualified like he qualified was eighth, ninth. He qualified in the seventh. he made it to seventh. Yeah, he made it to Q three and he plummeted in the first lap. And I thought, okay, he'll he'll rebound a little bit. You know, drop back a couple spots. And he just kind of like was nowhere to be found. And the entire race was wasn't really ever contending for even making a pass other than going backwards. So I'm sorry, Gio. I was, I was super pumped after Saturday and your qualifying effort, but, but you didn't bring it on Sunday, man. Yeah. And I am going to say for mine, Yuki Sonoda, we're still running out of excuses for him. I mean, his effort wasn't bad. It's just that when you compare him to Gasly, it's just no bueno. Uh, you know, given yeah. where Gasly ended up qualifying and finishing, that's no good. So um, we could probably segue into segue. silly season then because yeah. he's uh, he's got a silly season topic of his own. Yeah, let's let's uh, I'll we'll, we'll we'll go back and forth on these. So Alpha Tauri this weekend confirmed both Gasly and Sonoda back. Any reactions? Or we can move on to the others. I just don't. I mean, I'm all in favor of getting a rookie second year. It's just that Sonoda has not lived up to the billing after the first Bahrain race or after some of his F2 experiences. So I think he'll be on a very short leash for next season. Yeah, if Red Bull is any indicate, if Red Bull stays Red Bull, which I'm sure they're not going to really change their ways, he's if if he doesn't dramatically improve next year there's no chance he makes it back what's next alfa romeo i'm gonna start there yeah well we can i wanted to elaborate on our discussion we had last week about what is the point of having alpine and alfa romeo's 
junior programs or sorry ferrari's junior program if they're not using them adequately yes so now the discussion should be we're basically so kimmy raikkonen's retiring and antonio antonio giovinazzi are is going away potentially yes most likely yes so with those two names that's basically the only driver changes at this point that are like going away from the field all the other 18 are either in a new team or staying right. exactly where they are. So basically right. we're getting two new faces next year. And one of them might be Albon, which is not exactly a new face. So basically we're getting one new face next year, and it's not going to be the champion of F2. Begs the question, with guys like Christian Lungard and here soon to be Dan Tictum going to IndyCar, is the purpose of F2 failing? Uh, is is there a point to having an F2 if you get, at most, one driver every other year that makes it up? Can we, at a, at, at a later date in the offseason, do an entire episode on the failings of the F1 ladder system and the F1 academy system? Because yeah, because we could do like an episode on like the ones that got away. Yeah, I, I think you could dive into this a lot deeper than our weekly episode, but... I mean, to make a long story short for now, yeah, I mean, listen, Nick DeVries won F2 and then you know, got sent to Formula E, and he's done well there. You know, he won the championship this year, and, and I think he's a very good driver, but to not even essentially have a chance at Formula 1 after you win the step below Formula 1 doesn't seem to make any sense. Like, if you're if you're in F2 and you're you're not guaranteed a seat in f1 because you your dad doesn't own i don't know some multi-billion dollar oil or chemical company or something like that like what's the point you can go to indycar the road to indy with a legitimate budget and have a chance at actual success and and actual you know your sponsors will be on tv for more than one second a weekend when you're toiling down in, in 20th 21st place in F2 like I just don't I don't know I don't I don't I'm I'm long-winding this for the first time in a long time but I don't see the point in F2 and F3 if you're not at least guaranteed some sort of help and we can talk about it longer in the offseason what to do but they're yeah they're, they're not getting any they're not getting anything other than maybe a test and shit even last year Fernando Alonso did the young drivers test so that even diluted that yeah, I think for me the positives is you're in an environment where you can meet like the big wigs of Formula One. I think kind of the negatives are everything else. Another another positive is it's a good way to get yourself out there because F two and F three are very well Fair. known series around the globe. So like your name, like Oscar Piastri, is now a household name, even though he might not be in Formula One. Pretty much most hardcore racing fans know who Dan Tictum is. Uh, or we're getting familiar with people like Christian Lungard. So there is that side of it where it helps the the name brand a little bit and super license points and things like that. But then the cost to benefit ratio after you're done with F2 is probably high. I mean, it or low because, again, the odds of making it into F1 from F2 without substantial backing is, is pretty hard. You have to – it's almost about timing too, really, like – Leclerc got really lucky with the Alpha C and then got even luckier that yeah. you know Raikkonen was doing so poor and Leclerc was doing so well at Alpha that it just made sense to move him up to Ferrari. 
versus Mercedes last. I mean, you've seen how long George has had to wait to get this Mercedes seat that it's it's just taken so long for him to kind of wait just for Total Wolf to figure it out. But we'll get there next because we still have to talk about Alpha. Um, so Valtteri is signed for a multi-year deal. Yay. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Kobe Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo jo, Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network. Yeah. And then still no news in that second seed, although Nick DeVries still looks like in the lead contention, but nothing official yet. Do you, uh, I guess we can talk about the Big Frank thing. Do you think that you think it's surprising that Ferrari has no say so in the alpha seats? Yeah, it definitely caught me off guard. But I guess if you kind of think like, okay, this is you know a, a just a Ferrari, you know engine and and nothing else okay i can see that but they definitely have been very strange about how they word things then because i've always thought it was some sort of ferrari association and now to me it seems like nothing more than ferrari might say hey can you place this driver here if you've got the room but you know there's no you know financial incentive so it is surprising yeah i that that caught me very off guard and i still love the fact that you call him big fred big frank Frank, so Big Fred, Frank. I, I think it actually Fred is. Fred on the brain. Fred, well, yeah, whatever. Because I'm trying to, I, I, I could have swore Alpha was owned by Ferrari slash Fiat Chrysler, and it's they're actually owned by Stellantis, and according to Wikipedia, is a Dutch domiciled multinational automotive manufacturing corporation. Can someone break down a Dutch domiciled multinational automotive manufacturing corporation to me in like 30 words or less? Can you what explain it? is that can you you have to do the michael scott quote can you explain it to me like i'm five yeah well first we gotta start can you explain it to me like i'm a seven-year-old and like kind of get the dictionary definition yes why don't you break it down to me like i'm a five-year-old yes that is one of the best episodes by the way the uh, the surplus episode that is hilarious (laughs) this was formed in 2021 on the basis of a 50 50 cross-border merger between the italian american conglomerate fiat chrysler automobiles and the french psa group headquartered in Amsterdam, New uh, Netherlands. Uh, how the hell did we get an Italian-American conglomerate and a French PSA group to headquarter in Amsterdam? Someone got to make that one make sense. So this French conglomerate is Citroën, uh, Peugeot, 
Chrysler Group GM Europe. Oh, sorry, Chrysler Europe, not Chrysler Group. So now that group has merged with Fiat Chrysler, which owns a bunch. I know they own like Fiat, Chrysler, obviously, Ferrari. Yeah, Alfa Romeo, Chrysler, Dodge, uh, Jeep, Lancia, Maserati, Ram trucks. So I wasn't mistaken. I thought for a second there that we were misconstrued about Alfa's owners. This is so Italian of them that they're just going to like decide to just do their own thing. <laughs> I, I'm sure. I wonder if anybody at Ferrari like objects to this because they're just like, yeah, yeah, let's do our own thing. I mean, and I don't even think Big Frank's Italian. So what the hell? <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I honestly. He's clearly an alpha man through and through. My my head hurts from all of like I still like I need to like go read whatever you're reading because. No, my, I just need someone to break down what a yeah. Dutch domiciled multinational automotive manufacturing corporation. I and like who on Wikipedia phrased it in such a way? I feel like that's like fancy way of saying like we're doing some sort of multinational money laundering scheme, but we have to make it legal. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. All right. Well, on that note. Is it time to talk about Big George? Well, let's see. Ferrari's done, Alpine's done, Aston Martin's all but done, McLaren's done. Uh, the only thing we have left is if Albon's going to Williams, if you want to answer that in one word. Ugh, I don't think so. I mean, Toto Wolf is saying uh, – there's no way to answer this in one word, by the way. Toto Wolf is saying That's, if Red failed. Bull releases him from their Red Bull contract and Christian Horner says – well, if he has an opportunity to to race somewhere, we'd we'd let him go, which is a very confusing kind of like he said he said sort of argument back and forth. So I don't know. I I I think it's I think I don't think so. I honestly don't think so. I uh yeah. I mean, it can go a lot of one a lot of different ways. I love on uh, off track with Hinch and Rossi. Rossi said the Williams seat is going to go to some dumbass or some <laughs> irrelevant idiot like Jack Aiken, which I thought was funny. I was today years old when I I learned that Jack Aiken Jack Aiken actually ran in Pro Mazda. Yes, I did not know that until today. I actually uh, had that as a trivia question, but I think it was one week like in the uh, before the IndyCar season that you were not you didn't join me. Yeah, I wouldn't want to play trivia against me if I were you. No, that, I never win. <laughs> I'm never going to. Like, I just accept it now that I'm not going to. I guess even before we get to George, can we comment real quick on how Lewis said that Botas was his favorite teammate? That's because Botas was a, a doormat, doormat instead of a matador. Yeah, Botas was the perfect teammate because he wa- he was good enough to qualify well, but not good enough to make it matter you know, nine times out of ten in the race. Yeah, he pulled out some good race wins. Don't get me wrong, and had some some epic moments. But I think his most epic Mercedes moment was getting the fastest lap on Sunday, even when they told him to slow down in sector three. He still got the fastest lap. That yeah, will, but he lifted. Yeah, that just to me is so funny. That is that is you know, Botas to a T over the last five years, and I I hope he. He was able to to have some success at Alfa Romeo. Don't wish ill will on him, but I am glad that there won't be so much Botas talk next year. Never know. Maybe they're the team to beat. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> um. Yeah, I was hoping he would just stick it to the team, but 
Because, like, you know, they they would still get the point for the constructors, and he doesn't owe Lewis anything. So, because I don't, if am I wrong in assuming that the teams don't get any payout for the drivers' championship? To be honest with you, I have no idea. I don't think they would. And, you know, obviously there's glory to the drivers' championship because everybody remembers the constructor that the drivers' champion won in. However, from the team's point of view, I think the constructors' championship is more important. So, anyways, George Russell is going to be a Mercedes driver next year. Any thoughts? Good for George. I think he's really honed his racecraft, especially this year. I think he's been much more consistent than he has over the last couple of years, minus that one incident with the aforementioned Botas uh, earlier this year. I don't even remember where it was. Was it Portimao? I don't. The uh, crash was Imola. Imola, thank you. So you know, good for him. I'm I'm super excited to see how he does, and I don't think of this as more of a George is the number two driver. I think of this long term because he did get signed to a multi year contract. As you know, this is the future of Mercedes. So I think George will be will is is going to be patient because he knows in the long run he's going to. As long as Mercedes keeps the form up, he's going to do very well there no matter what. So happy for George. I think he's one of the few F1 drivers who's getting promoted that truly deserves it. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, I think it's a, a good deal for Mercedes and, and amazing for George to see his hard work pay off. I am a little skeptical that the timing of this, though, with the new cars next year, it's not exactly a shoe in that Mercedes is going to be the dominant force. So I think, you know, unfortunately he may be a little late to the party here. However, having said that, if there's a team going into an unknown era that I would want to start with, Mercedes would probably be towards the top because they do have brilliant minds working for them there. Uh, but with the nature of the cars next year, uh, he may have more of a difficult time winning than obviously the Mercedes duo has now because you can pretty much guarantee 90% of the races this year are going to be won by Red Bull or Mercedes. And so without that certainty next year, uh, it could be a little tough for him to win. We just don't know at this point. But again, I would still err on the side of having a team like Mercedes behind me because they're an elite team. So hopefully they can continue that form so George can really show what he's worth next year against Lewis. Hopefully there's no... I don't want that him and Lewis running into each other, obviously, but I don't want any sort of team orders out of the yeah. gate or anything because George needs to be allowed to show what he can do. Um, so I think that kind of covers it. So the rest of the silly season is going to be kind of lame. Uh, yeah. Daddy Stroll has to confirm Lance. Well, let me and ask you one question here. Something yeah. that popped up. I don't know if it was on one of the broadcasts or if it was social media at the end of the last week that Lawrence Stroll had actually reached out to or uh, for Fred about driving instead of Vettel in that second seat. If you were Sebastian Vettel, would you be uh, a little a little pissed off that, Stro- that that big Stroll is going behind his back and asking other drivers, or are you just kind of living with the fact that that's the nature of the beast? I think it's just nature of the beast. Yeah. And I don't think it's performance-related. I just think Fred is Fred, and in my imagination you know top five driver in the in the world or not the world in formula one <laughs> yeah okay. i mean i think he's one of the most versatile drivers in the world for sure he's proven that yeah i'd say actually probably top five in the world at just kind of a generic race car driver can kind of race anything 
So I wouldn't be, you know, too offended. I mean, Sebastian's done great with the team this year, and you know, if he gets replaced, he can be, you can keep his head up because he's done a good job so far with the team this year, and uh, brought them plenty of points and good performances. So I think it's just kind of just the environment he's in. Don't hate a, don't hate the player, hate the game kind of thing. Let's end the episode right there, ladies and gentlemen. We got Monza. Monza is. Oh, we have to do predictions. Oh boy. I I was literally ready to end. What are you, what are you doing? I was I was ready to end the episode. I'm 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 all out of I'm all out of sorts here. But let's go through the Monza times. Oh, it's sprint there's race no way this you have weekend. those up. I do. It's right on my. Right oh, there's my a sprint race. Oh God. Yeah, practice is at eight thirty Friday morning. Qualifying for the sprint race is noon Friday Eastern time. The sprint race Saturday ten thirty a.m. And then the race is Sunday at 9 a.m. So it's Monza. We all know the track. It's going to be exciting. Last year was obviously pretty epic. I think it was a year ago yesterday that Gasly won his first ever Formula One race. So, Matt, who's doing well this weekend? I am going to say Charles Leclerc in front of the Tifosi. Going to have his day and put on a show for the Tifosi. Go. Go Ferrari this weekend. I, I love Ferrari, and Ferrari at Monza is a special thing, so um, I'm all for that. All right. I will take Lando Norris. I think McLaren is due for a rebound after a lackluster couple of weeks here, and the McLarens are fast. I'm ignoring your, your little insult behind the, the back. Yeah, behind the nice, nice boring pick. That's not as boring as Max Verstappen. That's true. You have picked. I want to go. I want to say for good pick, you've picked Norris at least six times out of fourteen. Mm, I think it's been like four. Well, that's neat. Let's not get bogged down on how many times you picked them. <laughs> I think you just did. <laughs> well, okay. Who's doing bad this weekend? Who's doing bad? I want to say. For some reason, Sergio Perez is giving me the vibes. So. Oh boy. I think he's going to have maybe some issues. Okay. I will say that, uh, I don't know. This is a hard one because it's like an easy track. Who's slow? (laughs) I want to see you race this track on F1. I'm not saying like I would do well. I'm not a professional race car driver. Well. I'm going to take, let's go with Valtteri Bottas. He's got no motivation to do anything for Mercedes now. So fresh uh, and continuing the trend of drivers who sign contracts and then do poorly. I'm going to say Botas. All right. Dark Horse top 10. Dark Horse top 10. I will say George Russell. Is he a Dark Horse top 10 in the Williams? Yep. I would say so. I'll say Ricardo. Okay. I think that's a fair bit, fair bet as well. And then lastly, who is your top three sprint race prediction? Sprint race is going to be Verstappen, Norris, and Hamilton. I think that's what you said for Silverstone, too. It was, yes. No, I, was, I, I had Gasly in my top three at Silverstone. Who has the straight line advantage? Is that Red Bull? Yes. I think it's Red Bull. All right, so I'll say Verstappen, Perez, and Leclerc. So you have Perez doing poorly overall. Hey, 
but he's going to have a guys good qualify race. well and then not do good in the race. I mean, that's pretty much what he did this weekend because he crashed on the warm up warm up lap. That oh, that did. was two weekends ago. Sorry, whatever. No, yeah, this week. No, no, this week he just didn't make past Q one, which is yeah. pretty normal for him, right? No, no, no. But we'll we'll oh. let that slide. It's it's anyway. He had, he had a new contract, so it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> the new contract excuse. Okay, well, now that we've wrapped it up. We will be back next week to recap everything. Is this the last of the triple header before a week or two off? Um, I know there's time off. I don't know how long it is. Yeah, it's just a week back, or two. Don't, don't they go to do another triple header? Yes, I think so. And I think that might be a, a little under question because COVID is making travel difficult in Europe right now from what I understand, but... We'll dive into that more when we have more time next week, and it's there's there's not a race to preview. Ladies and gentlemen, hope you enjoyed the episode. Obviously, thank you for listening and supporting. And if you missed the announcement at the beginning of yesterday's IndyCar episode, we're really excited to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Now you can well we'll we'll include them on our our tweets, especially this week when we post our episodes, but. They've got a lot of really cool shows, a motorsport, another motorsport show, but plenty of other non-motorsports and non-sports shows for you to check out. So check out the link in the show notes and, and on social media and give them a follow. And ladies and gentlemen, have a lovely weekend of racing. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.